I'm always ready. I was born ready. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Uh, hi, it's Tom. Damn, dude, I can't get my voice. <laughs> I sound like I, uh, I, I live in a computer, and not in a good way. Like, it's a good way to meet Tom, because I need someone to produce these vocals. Yeah. That's right, I've been in training. All you suckers out there, rumors that I was dead... Rumors I couldn't do it anymore. I'm coming back. No, it's just I'm kid. I can turn it on and off. It's just me. I'm drinking Coors Lights out here. How you doing, dude? Thanks for bringing these Coors Lights. Mm-hmm. We're doing Rocky Mountain tonight. Yeah. By the way, if Coors Lights wants to send me a check, feel free. That was I was off the cuff, uh, right there. Speaking of off the cuff, how are you doing, Tom? How you been, dude? I've been coughing. <laughs> I think I had cuffs on for Halloween. It's the day after Halloween. Happy Saint uh, Saint. What is it? All Saints Day. Happy All Saints Day. Yeah, that's I, technically what it is today. I'm a I'm a lapsed Catholic. What do they call that? Non practicing. Um, just chilling. I think. Yeah, I'm a chilling. You're Catholic. a chilling man. I'm a chilled Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Irish, I think. Yeah, I'm a chilled Catholic. Yeah, I'm a I'm a chilled Catholic looking for skilled fat chicks. No, let me slow down. That's awesome. My 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 mixtape is not out yet. Um, yeah. Shout shout to uh, uh, everybody out there waiting for it to drop. Another eleven years, it'll be on. Um, I didn't answer the question. My weekend was fine. Yeah, this is weird because we're well, we're set up to. This is actually going to drop in a more timely fashion, closer to Thanksgiving. Um, but you guys know that we're wild and woolly out there looking for the guests. We had a few big dogs lately, uh, and we're not going to stop tonight with the big dog parade. I've had the guest hosts mixing and matching them like poker cards, and tonight, guess who came up in the shuffle? My man, Big Tom, back in the house. That's right. But he never left. No, you're back for the first. You're you're back for the for the second time, like Ludacris, whatever that album was. I'm not going away. I guess. Yeah. I'm I'm always here. I always oversee these things. Like if yeah. if you say bad things about me on the show, which you do, which you do, oh, I remove it. Forty five minutes worth of content a week usually gets edited out. Yeah, and it's all at me. Least. It's like there's like there, it starts off with me shit talking Tom and Justin, then crying, uh, then getting back to like by that time I've usually pounded a few shots of the old E and J uh, again, waiting for the check, and then then it wraps up. Tom edits all of this out, and it was very big shout to uh, Mike Monday from Frozen Soul. I, I, we had to edit out an hour and a half of me crying. Yeah. To that man, he yeah, he was very he was he's a good listener. But I'm getting to the point where I have enough raw footage or tape of you where I could start making a sample pad and fire you <laughs> and just do the show, like a, preload the questions. A bot, yes, that's very interesting. That's, that's funny. very interesting. Thanks for coming on the show. I hear you're from a particularly musical family. All those things. That's ironic that I would be fired from the podcast and replaced. By a cyborg, because I once got fired from a job where I portrayed a cyborg. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> listen, moving forward, um, whether it's Deep Space Nine or The Next Frontier, uh, I hope to see everybody out there, man. And we just got back. I'm like retroactively doing this, assuming that we all got back alive in one piece from that tour Reeking Or just did with Carrie and Vale and Hath. Tom, edit this out if there was a tragedy, and we'll start to go fund me. But otherwise, yeah. that was hopefully a great tour. I'm looking forward to it, and it was great. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're an advanced podcast, I guess. Yeah, it's a parallel dimension. Um, but, you know, listen, let me slow down uh, with the whole duality thing. A guy who might know a little bit about duality and parallel dimensions, 
he's he. There's rumors he has a twin. I don't know if there, there might be. Those guys might have some science going on, uh, some cloning. I, I don't know what the whole. We'll get to the bottom of it. He's got a whole bunch of different bands and projects. People with a whole bunch of different weird bands and projects. I don't know if I trust them, but we'll find out. Please get the man on the phone. We're going to interview Landfill from Municipal Waste, Iron Reagan, Cannabis Corpse, and of course his new band, Morbicon. Correct. Oh, let's do it. from Heavy Hole Podcast, here with Tom from Heavy Hole Podcast. Oh, shit. Joining me for an interview, old school style, and we're here with none other than Landfill, uh, Phil Hall. Phil, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. We appreciate you making the time, man. That was a very casual introduction, man, but we, we, you know, we, we've been talking to you here for a minute or two, and uh, we, we know you from a, a year or two past, man, but obviously this is uh, Landfill, uh, known for his work in Municipal Waste, Cannabis Corpse, Iron Reagan, and uh, currently Morbicon with a K, which is your new band. You have an album of Mournful t- Twilight uh, on Tank Crimes. I got that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm exploring a new a musical genre with Morbicon, a little something a little bit different for, for from all the other stuff I've put out. Yeah, man, I I um I really enjoyed uh, the 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 songs I listened to today, and um I you know I'd heard a little bit of it go, you know going back. Uh, I'm excited for you guys. I, I think Tank Crimes is an awesome label to, to to work with on this project, man. It's a it's a very fresh angle. Um, now I want to bring it back before all that though, and we'll work our way forward. The typical heavy hole podcast question is me asking you, are you from a musical family and fans of your work might know, uh, that your brother Josh works with you on music and has been featured on a lot of your projects and is a member of cannabis corpse, but I'm talking about, um, were there any older family members that were musicians or older people that steered you into hard rock and heavy metal when you were a kid? Well, uh, a little bit. Uh, I had a grandmother that would play piano and 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 sing. Uh, you know, she was involved with her church or whatever. She was. Uh, it's not like I would hang out with her every day, but she had a piano in the home when I was a very young child, and I can remember sort of tinkering around with that. But as far as my earliest musical sort of uh, education, uh, my. Uh, my parents got me enrolled in like strings class in like elementary school when I was very young. I can remember holding a violin and, and, and learning how to play that thing from a very early age, which I can credit for sort of teaching me like, I don't know, timing and, and what music was just in general. And, and so I have to give them credit there. And they also get, got me some piano lessons. It wasn't until I started getting into metal and punk that I started really uh, practicing and getting into, you know, getting into bands and and moving in that direction. All right. So let me ask you, Phil, when's the last time you picked up a fiddle? (laughs) Well, uh, no fiddles around here, but I do have an upright bass. Uh, You know, uh, 
I've completely forgotten how to play violin and all that knowledge of that has kind of gone out the window. But I did I, I did retain a sort of rudimentary knowledge of how to read sheet music and sort of an understanding of that. So I can say that. Yeah, it goes a long way, man. Yeah, I did follow the strings thing all the way through high school. And, uh, you know, even my brother was involved with uh, strings. He was playing cello and, and uh, you know, we, but at, you know, once we got into smoking weed and death metal, <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff sort of went out the window. Well, so take me through that. Um, uh, you know, what was that like when you were a teenager, man, just getting into, like when you guys realized there was some heavier stuff than your more commercial rock that you that everyone gets exposed to, and when that was, and maybe some early show experiences. What was it like where you guys grew up? Well, most of our gro- uh, growing up was in a town called Mechanicsville, Virginia, and it's like a suburb outside of Richmond. And you know, it was pretty much a, I would say, a very. Um, normal sort of suburban high school middle school experience and you know it's funny because you get a lot of times these band and strings classes have like the most like troublemaking sort of kids but i guess troublemakers are everywhere so you know i had we had friends that were getting into metal music and smoking weed and being you know general cut-ups or whatever and 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 i we had at the time it was it was mostly like pop punk was really popular this was like the middle of the 90s so things like green day and and offspring and and you know the radio was playing a lot of this stuff and and so and and like nirvana had already come and gone and it, it was still around but this stuff was on the radio. It was still being treated as new and, and exciting sort of music. And, and, and I felt like that was a great way to start playing guitar because those guitar parts were a lot easier and, you know, anybody can pick up a guitar and sort of learn brain stew by green day in a week from not knowing even how to play anything. And so my my musical upbringing sort of started with that stuff i feel sorry for kids that were kind of coming up in the 80s and they were exposed to like these 80s metal bands where the guitar playing was just like out of this world i bet it was very intimidating trying to get into playing guitar being exposed but you know in the 90s it was like you looked at a guy like billy joe from green day and you're like man i could do that you know it's just bar chords and and it, it it made getting into music a lot easier. I had I found a guitar in a dumpster that had like a built-in speaker, and uh, the speaker was all blown out. And but but it sounded like a distorted guitar, you know. And you'd put batteries in the back of the dang guitar, and and <laughs> I sort of learned how to play like "Come as You Are" by Nirvana and and like some Green Day riffs. And I was like, oh my god, this is actually happening, you know. And as soon as I fucking learned how to play a bar chord, I started a band with my my buddies and and we had like a crappy like pop punk band you know that was all we knew at the time this was before the internet we all we knew what really was what was exposed to us like on the radio and on on television and and that was like the popular thing at the time so we felt like that would be a good direction to go and and we played like high school talent shows and and we totally sucked and we found like a drum set for josh like in a in a yard sale and and you know we just started hacking away at these instruments like idiots and 
And I'm sure it was just like horrible to listen to, but I have to give my parents some credit for allowing us to make all this racket in the house. And, and you know, they didn't, of course they put up a little bit of a fuss, but uh, they did, however, let us jam in the garage and just make a bunch of noise. And, uh, and, and so I have to thank them for that. Wow. So I, I, I got to take you back a second. You found a guitar in a dumpster that had a built-in speaker and it was a little busted. So it came out distorted. That sounds very fortuitous. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it just sounded like a, uh, like a mean guitar. I don't know. I was just like, Oh my God, this is cool. And, and, and of course that guitar was like so shitty and hard to play. And I didn't know much about guitar. So I, of course, learning how to do bar chords and things like that, it just seems so hard on this guitar. And now I know it's because this the setup on the guitar was really bad and it probably had a completely bent neck and it probably totally sucked. <laughs> and 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 as I progressed further with my guitar playing, I, I eventually saved up and got like a Mexican strat and and that became a lot easier. And I was like, oh my God, you know this is way easier. And, and, you know, I didn't exactly have like rich parents or anything that could buy me whatever the fuck I wanted. So I had to save up working like shitty jobs just to get like my first little combo amp. And, 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 you know, it made me appreciate every single piece of equipment that I got. And I can remember working at my first job ever when I was like 15 was like at Burger King. And it took me a, it took me months to get like 300 bucks or something for like a damn little combo ramp. And, and I, I don't know. I just, I just learned to appreciate things like that. I never got anything handed to me. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember whatever became of that guitar? Hell no. It's, <laughs> I have no idea. That thing I probably, you know, at some point I started like if there was anything I didn't absolutely need, I would sell it for like whatever little bit of money I could get to like get some like concert tickets or something. I remember selling one of my acoustic guitars just to get tickets to go see King Diamond. You know, I, I didn't have any money at the time and I was smoking a lot of weed and most of my money went towards buying weed. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one, man. I just want to play with that guitar, man. It sounds fun. Um, so, <laughs> I've seen guitars kind of like that, at, at, like at Walmart or something. You know, they have like yeah. these beginner guitars, and they'll they'll have a little speaker bolt built in. The one was uh, the Esteban guitar that I saw. Shout to Tom Ander; he used to have the Esteban acoustic guitar. I, my buddy Gabe <laughs> yeah. gave me one of those. Yeah, too, yeah, that shit was fun. You put a little, put I a little nine volt battery for the the commercial for the Esteban guitar was interesting because it was like you can play country you can play classical and it was like yeah you can do that on any guitar but i guess this <laughs> i guess this commercial was like geared towards people that had no idea that with any guitar you can play any style of music i don't know i thought that was like a funny concept <laughs> it's, it's a good selling point it's They're a not wrong. yeah They're it's, not a, it's wrong. a versatile guitar it's like it's like selling a car you'd be like you could go to the grocery store yeah. you could go <laughs> to the post office <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. shower with it you can drink it yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So, uh, now your your brother Josh, uh, he, you you know you said before he did some of the band stuff with you in high school. 
were you guys always in a band together um, th- through through the years, like through the early years, teenage, early 20s? Or were you, did you guys like venture out and have bands with other people um, before you really settled on Cannabis Corpse? Yeah, we, we jammed, of course. We're brothers, you know, so we, of course, jammed a lot together. And I didn't really know many other musicians at the time. There was like some older kids in high school that had their own like black metal band and you know they were kind of our peers and they would play gigs and uh we eventually met up with a friend of ours that had like a house like way out in the sticks that we could like jam like all night long if we wanted to and and uh and we our first like band that was like playing shows uh was with that guy his name was andy and and uh you know we had this band called stitcho that was like like scare we our our idea was we loved guar and we loved the misfits so we were trying to be like i mean we only had the talent to play something like a half-assed misfits song so we were combining the elements of guar which we liked the fact that they were wearing costumes and and things like that and we liked the misfits so our first band was we were dressing up like scarecrows or something and like I, I would kind of compare it to what Ghoul is doing now. And, uh, but of course they're way better than we were, but we actually were playing gigs and stuff. And that was when we were like 15, 16 or so. And like, that was when the internet was first starting to hit. And like, we had like an angel fire fucking website and shit. And I don't know. Those were the early days. All right. So, so fair enough. And then cannabis corpse. Now there always seems to be, with your bands, this kind of like this kind of like performative aspect, this theatrical aspect, um, that you know, I, I mean, I you know, I would compare it back. to, I say that respectfully in comparison to maybe like your Alice Coopers and like you mentioned Guar. Um, you said you had an affinity for Guar and the Misfits. I just want you to maybe talk about that. Was that always the vision from a young age? Was was every band has to be based on kind of like an image or a fantastic idea or or a theme? Um, and did you always plan on having multiple bands to explore different ideas? Yeah, I suppose just when I started getting into metal, the bands that I felt the most uh, drawn to were the bands that had like over the top sort of stage shows and, and presence, uh, things like Guar and the Misfits and, and you know kiss or something like that or i just felt drawn to those types of bands just because i i I like the fact that they seemed like over the top comic book characters come to life you know and and i guess that's sort of just appealed to me in a certain in a certain way you know i knew that you didn't really have to do that sort of thing to be in a band of course but uh, I, there was just something in me that sort of felt drawn to that sort of thing. And, and I've always been into like comic books and, and, you know, things like that. So it, it just, I just wanted to have something that could involve every aspect of creativity from the visual to the music. And, you know, it's just something that appealed to me at the time. Well, you're also like a longtime wrestling fan. So it's like, you get that aspect um, of, of like being over the top performative stuff, combining uh, bands like kiss do that really well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and in the, 
in the late nineties when we were starting this band and doing stuff, that was when wrestling was really awesome, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it was just great being 16 years old. And like, it was the Monday night wars and we were just getting into metal and, and, and just everything felt so fun and exciting at the time, you know, it was, it was just a great time. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Um, what, I mean, is it, you know, is it like what comes first, the chicken or the egg or like your, 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 your fan fandom of, uh, professional wrestling and, and your, your love for heavy metal, which kind of comes first or do they go hand in hand and feed on each other? Yeah, I could never say that either one comes first. I mean, of course, uh, I've always had in the back of my head a desire to dabble with professional wrestling. But, you know, when I was coming up, professional wrestling seemed like this completely unattainable thing because all the dudes were huge and like giant dudes. And, and now I watch wrestling and, and a lot of the dudes are my size or shorter. Uh, of course, and and I'm I'm sure it was guys just like me that grew up watching the same thing I was watching, and 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 had I known that the size was going to go down so much, maybe I would have gotten into it a little bit more. But there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot less uh, chance of injury in in playing music. I mean, <laughs> all all my friends were getting into like skateboarding and and like that was really popular at the time, and and I of course tried getting into that and i injured myself a couple times and i think i feel like that was a big right reason why i decided to just stay home and practice guitar and 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 there was a lot less chance of injury okay man F fair enough sounds good man so um now also kind of like staying within that early era there when you guys first started cannabis corpse obviously there's a sense of humor within the band but um, fans of the band also will, will you know, will tell people there it, it is real death metal. It's honest. There's there's people who prefer Cannabis Corpse to some of the bands you've parodied in your song titles and and in your artwork. I just wanted to get like your what you know you know the the idea of creating this band that has a sense of humor and does some parodies on uh, death metal classics. But you're you're investing in it what sounds like very inspired writing. I just want to get your take on that. Well, of course I'm, I'm trying to write some good death metal and I'm glad that people out there dig the music. I mean, I've never half-assed anything and, and I put a hundred percent effort in every album that I create and, and cannabis corpse definitely was born out of a love of nineties death metal and, and bands like cannibal corpse and deicide and morbid angel and, and I feel like at the time we started the band, I mean, we, Josh and I came up with the idea for Cannabis Corpse when we were 17, but we never got around to uh, creating any music until much later, and, until about 2006. And at the time, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of bands sort of doing this sort of, this particular style of death metal. I mean metal had sort of morphed into something completely different. Like there was like the metalcore thing was definitely really huge at the time. And, and uh, I don't know, cannabis corpse was going to be the antithesis to what was popular at the time. <laughs> it seems like nineties uh, death metal has now become a huge trend now with it, with music. There's a lot of that style, but in 2006 it was completely different. And, and it felt like, 
sort of a rebellious thing to do. It's fucking crazy, isn't it, man? How how that shit has become like the new metalcore of this generation. It's just there's definitely trends that go through metal, and I and I'm not accusing anyone of being trendy or anything like that. It's fine. It's like if that's what you dig, that's what you dig. But uh, just like doom metal a couple years ago was like this huge thing. Uh, uh, right now, it feels like this sort of '90s throwback death metal thing is definitely popular. Yeah, and there's there's some good bands that come out of it. And what I keep saying is that eventually it's going to bubble down again as these cycles happen in, in metal. And some of these bands might, you know, break up or explore different genres, but some of these bands, I think, are going to push past the OSDM thing and create some really interesting death metal, too. So it's just, it's one of those things. You ride the waves uh, of bands. I think it's, I still think... It was way lamer in the early 2000s when everything went metalcore than it is now. I I like this wave better. I, uh, yeah, yeah, this wave is yeah. There's some good bands. I mean, there's there's great music being created, and I would I would attribute that. I mean, you have access to every single band so easily now, so you can really. It completely explore every genre of metal and it, to the end to the end of the earth you know if you want to listen to an indonesian death metal band you can right now and it wasn't as easy when i was coming up so finding influences and things of that nature took a little bit more effort and and i appreciated every album that i got you know and and this sort of oversaturation it it helps and it hurts i'm sure people that are looking for things to sort of influence their own music can use the internet now as like a tool to sort of find different things to, to do with their music. And, and, and overall, I feel like it is helping. I've heard a lot of really good stuff come out lately. Yeah. Well, there's always pros and cons. We go back and forth a lot on this show about the, um, a lot of the, some of the points you just mentioned, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's crazy because you know, you, when you mentioned that when cannabis corpse started, it was that core environment of the early 2000s. Everything was metalcore and deathcore and death metal had been death metal was kind of like not cool at that point. Did you like when you guys started out, did you find that having the uh, the humor element of the band helped you a little bit because um, you guys didn't take yourself as seriously? Uh, perhaps a little bit. I just knew that it was kind of a way to just be different. And I've I've always sort of felt that being a little different is important. I don't want to just be lumped into a big pile and, and naming ourselves cannabis corpse just felt like something completely different for lack of a better word. You know, I just knew that people would sort of take a second look at it. Whereas if we just named ourselves something really typical, like bloody skull or something, I don't know. And, you know, just a very typical death metal name or, you know, people would have been like, okay, and moved on. But I I knew that naming our band Cannabis Corpse might have gotten uh, people to take a second look. Yeah, fair enough, man. I think I think it worked. And I I, while we're in this time period, I want to talk a little bit. How far do you know municipal waste people know as a Richmond, Virginia band? You told us already you grew up uh, Mechanicsville, I believe it was, uh, yeah. which is the, the suburbs outside of Richmond. Could you just, how far do you go back with the guys in Municipal Waste? 
Uh, and of course, Dave Witty, who we did have on this program a long time ago now. We got to get him back for part two. Um, but yeah, just if you want to get into that while we're paralleling that, that time with Cannabis Corpse. Uh, well, uh, I, I started playing with this band called Nehema, which was like a very cryptopsy sort of death inspired death metal band. And there were like older guys. Um, I was, you know, just getting in my, into my twenties and these guys were kind of in their mid to late twenties. And, uh, so I started jamming with these guys and they were, uh, more connected with people in Richmond. And, and we Nehemma started playing shows and we actually played some shows with municipal waste, the early, the very early incarnation of municipal waste. And, uh, and through that, they got to see me play bass. And at the time I was like, I would play bass and just head bang as hard as I could and just, just get crazy live. And, and I, I, apparently I, I made an impression on Tony because, uh, when they or their original bass player left the band, uh, someone brought uh, me up and they hadn't met me really at the time. I, I'm sure I'd kind of met them maybe like at these shows, maybe just in a very casual sort of way. But uh, they I don't know. I, I Tony was like, yeah, so I got a tape and I and they gave me the tape on like a Friday and they had practice on Sunday. And I showed up for the practice on Sunday and knew all the songs and I just showed up and just sort of nailed it. You know, I knew that if I showed up for the for the first practice with all the riffs in the bag, that there was no way they could be like, no, because I'd seen them a week prior to that. And they had played this amazing show at in Richmond and it was packed and, the, and people were just going berserk for them. And, and, and I was blown away by municipal waste and, and and talk about another band that seemed totally fresh and original at the time nobody was doing that style of like thrash metal and it just felt so original and and tony foresta's vibe on stage was so different from everything else i'd seen at the time you know most people would got on stage and and did the whole tough guy bro mosh thing and and Tony d definitely does not give that sort of vibe on stage. And, and I really liked that about it. And so I just showed up for that practice and had everything in the bag. And, and, and shortly thereafter, I started playing gigs with them. And, and from there, it just it was a roller coaster. Okay, man. Fair enough. And um, uh, at that point, was Dave Witty in the band? Yes, Dave Witty was in the band. And I knew about Dave. I had actually gotten this dvd of uh it was like the relapse contamination festival and uh burnt by the sun was on that huh. and and i was really impressed with dave witty's playing on that out uh, on that performance and and so getting the jam with him was definitely a, a a great experience you know and and at the time i had hadn't jammed with any drummers that frankly were as good as he was you know he he's just got so much finesse and and speed so it was just it was great to be able to jam with him and yeah. and we've become really good friends since then <laughs> yeah yeah nice guy um now <clears throat> a worldly guy too a lot to talk about so was that was municipal waste your first experience really getting out and touring a lot and playing some uh maybe higher profile gigs yeah i mean at the time i'd played a lot of gigs with like 
some uh, much smaller bands and and we had played out of town shows and you know we had driven all the way up to like new jersey to play in front of 10 people or something at like dingbats or something like that you know we we'd done all those hell stories of you know driving way out of there somewhere to play in front of nobody and so once i finally joined up with municipal waste and we were playing shows that were like i mean at the time we were municipal waste was still playing the occasional house show and it wasn't what it is now of course and but it was still like catching some heat and people were really starting to pay attention to them and uh it, it was fun to finally play shows where the audience knew who the band was and was re- reacting so positively and and, you know, and right when I joined, we started writing riffs for that first hazardous mutation record, the first record that I was on. Now, having met you behind the scenes a few times and um, a band I used to be in had the opportunity to travel and um, open for Iron Reagan and, and several other bands. And we'll get into Iron Reagan in a little bit. You strike me as someone who is, um, I guess I'll say fairly business minded when it comes to these bands. You take an, in, you know, some bandmates just want to show up and do the music. Some people take an interest in the behind the scenes, the business of the band, the merch angle, the art. They kind of have a vision for everything. Um, does that is that something that you kind of acquired through your experiences in municipal waste? Maybe like learning the ins and outs of the music industry, or would you say you've always had an interest in, in how things work behind the scenes? Oh, I I can give Tony uh, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a very educational experience working with those guys and and learning how to pay attention to every single facet of being in a band, from the artwork to the t-shirts to the just it at the you know before that I I'd, I'd been a lot less. Uh, how do I explain? I, I I just would show up and play shows and. And then I saw Tony and I saw Ryan working and both of those guys think about every single facet of every single part of the music from the order of the songs on the album and, and all the, the layout of the records and the, and the look of the t-shirts. And, and, and I, I learned that these things are worth paying attention to. And it, it, it helped me, it helped educate me a lot for sure. Working with them. Oh, yeah, that's that awesome. That's what I'm looking for, man, is that experience and that learning curve that a lot of us experience um, and whether or not people pay attention to it is is their own business. Uh, a lot of the time did. Would you say that um, maybe that affected your your work having worked with municipal waste the, the entire time? You obviously were still working with Cannabis Corpse because you guys have a consistent output through the years. But would you say that maybe that changed the way you went back and looked at, at, at Cannabis Corpse um, and said, hey, I'd like to take a stab at this with a little bit different attitude or something like that? Yeah, you know, I had I had the opportunity to and, and extra free time, you know, through touring with Municipal Ways. I was starting to uh, make a little money playing music, and I, I was fortunate enough to be able to quit my job and focus on touring with them and and between tours i would have extra time and and i use that extra time to just continue working i i'm a guy that just enjoys working every day on and on whatever creative project that i'm working on i don't really 
sit around and, and, and waste time. I'm always working on something. And I, and I learned that from those guys. And, and at the time I would just, I had like this little eight track and I started learning how to produce music and produce records and, and just, and, and creating sounds. And, and I just tried to keep the pushing the ball up the hill proverbially and 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 it was just it was a great experience and i'm and i'm glad that municipal waste gave me the opportunity to, to do that um f- fair enough and you know we mentioned iron reagan before that's a band that was started um i mean it's listed i don't know if if, if you would agree as a side project um uh, of municipal waste uh i you know and it's 2012 do you want to give some insight into um uh, you guys starting that band and getting that band off the ground while you guys had municipal waste going and maybe were there any ideas that you explored in Iron Reagan that you didn't in municipal waste, that sort of thing? Well, Iron Reagan started as a project uh, with Ryan Parrish, who was formerly the drummer of Darkest Hour. And he was a guy that we were friends with around Richmond and he's a, he's a great drummer and very simplistic in his playing style, but very energetic. And, uh, uh, he and I got together, uh, Tony sort of arranged a, a, a session between us and we sort of cranked out like 10 songs in one day, just off the cuff. And, and those songs turned out really great. And we sort of made a demo and, you know, we were just going to make a demo and, and after we after we did that, uh, we we played a gig and that gig went well and and things sort of started snowballing and and we got some great opportunities and 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 everything's just started moving really fast with that band and and before we knew it, five years had gone by. <laughs> yeah, um, it's and and you know you talked you you mentioned Richmond that you that Ryan you knew Ryan from the Richmond area. Uh, we talked a little bit before about how you grew up just outside of Richmond in the suburbs there. Um, Richmond, as as I know it, as an outsider and as many people might know by reputation, uh, is like has a very hip music scene. It's probably a good place for rock and metal and hardcore bands. Um, I, I just wanted to see if maybe you would comment on that a little bit. Has it changed over the years? Is this a new phenomenon for like the last several years? Was there a downturn? And do you feel like you grew up um, adjacent to a to a very rich musical culture? Uh, it, you know, it took me a little while to really learn how vast and and crazy the Richmond music scene was. You know, when I was first growing up, uh, I didn't really have an idea of how insane it was. We have an art college here which sort of brings in a lot of creative people and, and, and I feel like it's definitely become more and more vibrant as the years go by. I mean, now we have so many bands here and, and so many good bands. And I mean, one of the biggest metal bands in the world in Lamb of God is from Richmond. And I remember, uh, you know, seeing them start blowing up and it really made me think, Oh wow, you can be from Richmond and, and get to the top of the top of the metal heap, you know. And of course, we had Guar here too, and and they were uh, another band that just showed me that you can be in a professional band that's traveling the world and be from Richmond, you know. And and I've it's it's great to see that there are so many creative people sort of 
moving to Richmond and getting involved with all the musicians that live here. And it's really become sort of a, a hive of, of creative people on the East coast. It kind of seems like from the outside as well, that you guys in Richmond keep your ear to the ground. I remember seeing Randy of Lamb of God doing vocals for Cannabis Corpse one time. And uh, that just struck me as interesting. Like as big of a band as they were, they were like, let's let's go out and play with a smaller, lesser known death metal band. And uh, that struck me as pretty cool. How'd that come about? Yeah, yeah. Randy's cool. He's, uh, you know, I have a funny story about Randy. We uh, one of my first before I started jamming in Municipal Waste. I was jamming in this uh, in in a band around town, and we had this basement um, that we would rehearse in. That was right off Main Street in Richmond, and we were we were rehearsing down there. And someone came walking down our sta- stairs in, in the house, like he someone had walked in the house and just started walking down the stairs. And we were like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And then he it was Randy, for, and we'd never even met the guy, you know. He just heard us jamming and just decided to cruise on into the house. And we were just like nobodies, you know, and we were just blown away that the singer of Lamb of God had just walked into our house and came down to our shitty rehearsal. And um, <laughs> and we've awesome. sort of just known him ever since then. And uh, I think because of the, those days, Randy decided to help us out with a gig. Um cannabis corpse was in a little bit of a transitional moment and uh so he decided to sort of jump in at that moment and jam with us i I never realized that that's awesome that's great man like i said at the top uh municipal waste released um electrified brain in 2022 this year on nuclear blast right yes sir uh, you also got Cannabis Corpse with Nug So Vile on Season of Mist in 2019. Um, the, I think the last Iron Reagan release was what? That split with Sacred Reich? That 7-inch? 2019? Yeah. Okay, I'm just I'm just recapping for the listeners now. And of course, right now, we're here to plug Morbicon with a K uh, of OV Mournful Twilight 2022 on Tank Crime Record. <laughs> Tank Crimes Records. I thought this would be a good point, maybe, to start talking about Morbicon because I know that's your most recent release. Hold on, we gotta stop everything. What kind of a dog you got? Uh, he's he's a brat. That's what kind of dog he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he's going to his room right now. That's but, no, uh, we, we love dogs and cats here, man. No, he's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, sorry about that. All but, good, man. Yeah, but uh, Morbicon, yeah just dropped um on friday and i'm extremely proud of this release i worked very hard on it through the pandemic and and i worked with dave witty and and some other very creative musicians and, and including thomas saltman he, oh, he you didn't have to phil <laughs> <laughs> he contributed a lot to this record too i feel like his contribution to the album was a real game changer and and um it just it, I, I I sort of pulled together a lot of creative minds and it, it coalesced into what is Morbicon and I and I feel extremely happy with this release. It's sort of a combination of all sorts of different elements. Yeah, and one of those um, creative minds uh, 
is known as Vreth on this release. Can we get into who that is and, and where people might know them from? Yeah, he's the singer of a band called Fintroll. And at the time, I was working on uh, creating a uh, animated cartoon for Morbicon. And I had noticed that Fintroll also released a cartoon. And that sort of brought my attention to him and his vocals. And uh, I, we were looking for a, a vocalist at the time. And I was I was in the gym and I was looking at my uh, I was looking at Facebook and he came up on my Facebook and I I was like it, it sort of dawned on me oh man I wonder if he would be interested in contributing vocals to this and I hit him up and he was he got to, right back to me and he said that uh, you know he, he he had Tony Foresta's hot sauce right in front of him at the time he sent me a picture <laughs> back of Tony Foresta's hot sauce and he was like he was into municipal waste and and once he learned that Dave Whitty was involved. Um, he 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 was stoked and and he heard the tunes and he liked the music and and I feel like what he did on the album was perfect for the sort of vibe that we were going for. Yeah, he definitely crushes it, man. I remember when you told me that he signed up for that, and I just so happened to be listening to like Fintroll maybe two three days before. Brought a nice big smile to my face. I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, that's your fucking guy right there. Yeah, he's got a very. Uh, the tone of his voice i feel like is very strong and and it's a style of vocal that a lot of people can imitate but there's there's a certain tone that not a lot of people have when they do it yeah and we had tried out several different vocalists and he was the one that i finally listened to and i was like that's the guy i I see he's also the current singer of long-running finnish band and oceans now that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I've um, he's that that band has been brought up to me a couple times in other interviews. I haven't really checked them out yet, but people seem to really like it, so I, I should check it out. <laughs> uh, worth a shot, man. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm an expert on it, man, but I know that they have a um, established reputation. Uh, interesting, man. Okay, so with more, you said that you had initially thought about a cartoon. Is that still on the table? Yeah, I dropped a cartoon. Um, it's on YouTube right now for the track Universal Funeral. This is a video that I created myself completely from scratch. I, I didn't really know anything about animation at the time, and I sort of learned how to use the software, and, and I sort of got it in my head that I wanted to create something that was as impressive as something that I could possibly do. And and I, I worked throughout the... I, I, Maybe about six months I spent on uh, during the pandemic drawing and creating this video, and and hopefully that pe- hope hopefully people will notice the amount of work that I put into it. Um. Yeah. It's it, it is very cool how like this is basically your first animation project you took on like this, um, and, and just going full bore. You know, usually people do like uh, a twenty second clip as their first animation. You were you were like, no, I have this material i've been working on and you paired it and uh it's very ambitious and it's 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 complex like this is doing that as a first project is just um it's awesome dude it rules thank you yeah and i i made like a a really shitty version of it first and I looked at it and I was like, there's no way I'd ever put this out. So I decided one day that I'd go back through it and recreate it with the the best drawings that I could possibly do. 
and uh and i feel like the end result uh it turned out pretty good and i'm about halfway i'm over halfway through a second video and i'm hoping to make this into a you know a thing for more morbicon this the, continue with the storyline that is presented in these videos and uh and maybe by the time i achieve like 10 of these it'll be like a full length movie black metal movie did um did you get any like so your brother's been animating for a few years longer than you he's done videos for like sanguisugabog even uh cannabis corpse did he like kind of walk you through how to do this a little bit or were you kind of like uh competitive sibling mode uh i would say it's a little bit of both he he sort of showed me how to he showed me the very basic like absolutely the most basic shit he was like okay here see this this is how you draw a line um this is how you move the line all right take it from there you know gotcha, so yeah. <laughs> And so I took it, you know, I, I did a lot of the learning myself, but he, I mean, it was sort of, he sort of got his foot in the door first and that sort of opened my eyes to the fact that this was something that could even be possible, you know? And if you watch it, it you know, it, it, it's not something that I'd ever even considered before he started doing it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to create the craziest thing ever. I have been watching this cartoon um, with with no audio while we've been discussing this. Uh, it's I am really impressed, man. This this is it. You know what I like most about it? It doesn't have that like overly pixelated, digitized kind of effect. A lot of cartoons do nowadays, like hand drawn. It, yeah, it, it, it really. This is great, man. It, it kind of harkens back to some of the old school that I grew up with, and the details really good. I see the detail in the the stonework on the castle here and some of the shading and stuff, man. I, very impressive, man. I got to give you credit on this. Also, another behind the scenes, you you animated this whole thing and then you figured out how to do all the After Effects stuff after on the layers to give it all that depth of field and uh, feel the depths and all that and uh, the focus tricks. And uh, I remember seeing the scratch of this before you had all that. And um, yeah, going out of your, you, you've basically learned how to do like two entirely different trades that people do between the VFX and the animation. Yeah, I, I had no idea. There, There's a lot of things that I had to learn through doing that video, like from directing to setting up scenes to storytelling to the, the after effects. And I had created the whole video. And then one day I was looking at somebody else's animation and noticed all the, the blur effects and glow effects and things of that nature. And I learned how to do that and applied it to my video and, and, and every single thing that I added sort of added to the quality of it. And I will say that a lot of the animated videos out there that you see, it's something called cut out animation. And yeah, they'll have a piece of artwork and they'll just sort of like cut it apart and sort of move it. And it'll seem really blocky. It'll seem real stiff. And, and that might be the digitized sort of thing that you were speaking of. And yeah, yeah, like the, I, the South and Park I, kinda. yeah, yeah. And I, there's, I do, I do a little of that, but I try to do it in a way that still looks like it's hand drawn, but there are definitely scenes in that car in, in the video that are completely 2d uh, frame by frame animation. And I just combine the two things to get the results that I wanted, because if something looks too cut out, I, I, I sort of just get rid of it. 
Yeah, um, really, it's really amazing to me, man, because I'm, you know, I'm kind of a layman when it comes to this sort of stuff, the, the more high tech end of things. Uh, people just need to put a microphone in front of me, and that's that's my contribution, really. Um, this this behind the scenes stuff kind of baffles me. And you said you learned this all kind of during the pandemic when things were shut down, right? Yeah, yeah. I just decided that I wanted to use the extra time that I had on something that you know on on something new and learn a new thing and 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 i feel like learning how to do this is going to lead to a lot of very interesting things in the future hell yeah man um with with morbicon speaking of the future uh what about live performances i'm working on that i've got some musicians in mind and hopefully we will be able to move the the needle on that tip um, at the at the moment, I've been busy with other things, but as soon as I'm, I'm sure I'll be ready to really put the pedal to the metal early next year on uh, getting a live band together for Morbicon. Fair enough, man. And while while we talk about that band for the listeners now, uh, I guess it's fair to call this, you know, in in terms of a uh, a blanket statement, like a black metal project, a black metal band. Uh, having listened to it, though, it's it it strikes me like it's very influenced, maybe by a lot of your more classic heavy metal. Um, it doesn't seem like there's as much emphasis on being like like corpse production and cult. Uh, may, you know, maybe taking like the more um traditional route in terms of metal production and me- and like the the vibe of it. Yeah, I, you know, when I first started uh, mixing and coming up with guitar tones for this, I did try doing a very, like, insane, like, fuzzy, like, running a Metal Zone pedal directly into the board and making it sound like just total garbage. And, like, and I, I was entertaining that idea, and it sounded cool. But then after a while, I just, I just realized that going for a, a quality and, and just making it more listenable and was something that I'd rather go for. So I reamped all the guitars and, 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 and just made the production just something that I could be proud of. And, and I feel like it, it sounds pretty dang good. Well, yeah. Also, you know, I, I mean, um, just in terms of production and in terms of retaining some of that more melodic old school metal quality, I think it, it could also be compared to maybe some of the Swedish black metal bands that people associate uh, with with Swedish black metal, maybe more than like you know that like we say like like that that fuzzed out um, metal zone corpse production variety of things. Um, going into this, were these ideas you've been harboring for a long time that maybe you couldn't express in Cannabis Corpse or or Municipal Waste or Iron Reagan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these doing a black metal band is something I've always wanted to do, and I've and I always sort of jam riffs in that style you know when i'm just hanging out and playing guitar by myself and i've i had a couple songs that i'd actually demoed and it wasn't until 2020 that i started fleshing it out and and things just started building and they started out as very basic songs but as i added more and more elements from uh you know orchestration and 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 solos and and all sorts of different things i i thought that the dichotomy between having really brutal parts and aggressive parts and having big melodic atmospheric parts 
would just make the overall album much more listening, uh, listenable. And, you know, I just wanted to make an entertaining record that people could listen to all the way through and, and, and just enjoy. Fair enough. Now, let me ask you guys this, and, and we can edit this if you want. What did Tom Saltman bring to the table? Uh, Saltman uh, did some of the uh, orchestration on the album. I'd had some parts that I sort of had made and and they were very primitive sort of um, I was using some old school like or some synth kind of elements, but he took it and added uh, uh, all sorts of different instruments and sort of different things that I oh. I wasn't so familiar with. But what he added was great because it just made it feel so much bigger and and just huge giant intros to songs and, and, and parts during the songs. And he definitely injected a couple things into the overall atmosphere of the album. Love it, man. Love it. I got to go back with a Tom ear and listen for. Yeah, it, it was things. cool, man. I, I like that you reached out about that. Uh, we had talked about doing stuff a bunch of times and kicked around ideas. And um, yeah, it was cool that you sent that over as like such a complete thing. And I just got to like put a little, little jazz on it. Yeah, uh, he he definitely zazzed it up. <laughs> Thanks, he, man. I mean, I mean the what I mean what you added is it, I I love it. Every time it comes around on the record, I'm just like, I I love it. So it, it, thank you. Thanks for letting me on there. Uh, Will, thanks for the plug. I offer <laughs> my music services. Um, I I plug Tom every episode, man. Now, here's something else about about the album I wanted to get into to as as well. The story, the idea of uh, fantasy and lore is, um, I, well, is the, uh, are there media sources, Dungeons and Dragons, books, movies that are very special to you within that realm of, um, of fiction and escapism? Uh, of course, I, oh, sorry. Uh, of oh, course, man. Lord of the Rings right off the right out of the gate is just the king of all fantasy and and fantasy fiction and things like that and uh everything seems sort of derivative from lord of the rings in a way you know and yeah uh, I, I you know there was this movie legend that had you know tom cruise in it that i always enjoyed i feel like that's a great little piece of fantasy fiction um, yeah. There's like this scene where this swamp witch comes out of the swamp and like it's such a great scene with practical effects and and uh, uh, yeah. And there was a movie that came out recently, actually, um, uh, the Viking or um, I don't know if you saw that one uh, was the Norseman. No, I haven't seen it. Yet. That's on my list. Yeah, I, I, gotta see that, I yeah. hear really good things about that one. Yeah, yeah, what an impressive movie and and perfect for black metal. Like, just watch that movie and put it on any black metal album, and it'll go hand in hand with it. It's just, it's like all the themes and all the imagery of that movie is just total black metal, and uh, I really enjoyed that one for sure. That filmmaker makes great stuff. Yeah, it's the same guy who did The Witch, right? Yeah, yeah, that that movie was fantastic. Yeah, uh, I look forward to checking out Norseman. Can we talk about you, you guys, you Tom and Phil's history writing for uh, a bigger band, or or no? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say there. I mean, I I had gotten the opportunity to write for Six Feet Under, and we did we did create a record, Crypt of the Devil. And after Crypt of the Devil, um, Chris had hit me up to do another album, and so I got Tom involved. And we started giving Chris demos, and he just started shutting them down. He was not—he was like not into what we were into making. And by the time we had submitted Chris, like it was like over ten songs, and he had basically said no to all of them. I, I just got frustrated and was like, "Okay, can't do this anymore." Oh yeah, I've I've heard <laughs> I've heard Tom's side of the story, man uh before now and i i i I've, as i've told tom i'll gladly make an album with those songs man that could be my side project uh, we'll <laughs> yeah talk, i mean we'll, we'll talk business behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's it you know it it's weird that chris just decided to get like super picky whereas my experience with him in crypt of the devil he was like easy to work with and was like cool yeah he just sort of gave the thumbs up to all the songs maybe at the time he just wanted to push the project through and uh but then once we started working further it just became more and more difficult to work with him yeah well fair enough i might use that i might start my own like you might have inspired me with cannabis corpse i might start a, a it's gonna be all about fried food it's gonna be called battered realm all right, all right, let me stop. Yeah. St- yeah, that was rough, Will. <laughs> all right, yeah. let me stop while I'm ahead. I'm a couple of cores lights in. Uh, but but um, Phil, let, let me reel it back in now, man. Will I get off my dad joke uh, tip right now? The the ex the experience working writing for somebody um like that. I mean, look, you know, the guy the guy gets a lot of shit. I don't want to come in on either side of that, but um. Did you find like that? Did that open up anything for you? Do you write for other artists? I mean, I'm not asking you to name names, but is that something you still continue to to do behind the scenes? Uh, there isn't really any sort of projects extracurricular like that at the moment. Um, that was just a, that was really a fluke thing that I jumped on because, of course, working with Chris Barnes was just an opportunity that I couldn't resist and so and i'd had some uh, demos made for cannabis corpse that i just sort of turned into six feet under songs for and it just it just happened really organically and it was cool to finally put out some music on metal blade records well i know another um legacy death metal name that you got that you worked with fairly early on too was didn't you guys with municipal waste you toured supporting at the gates fairly extensively um, many years ago, right? Yeah, and we just did another tour with them actually this year. Um, yeah, the, the at the gates dudes have been a very supportive of municipal waste, and and I love at the gates. I have nothing but good things to say about those guys and and uh, Tampa and the whole gang. They uh, at the gates have have, have uh, been a huge influence on me, and they've. And that last tour we did with them was phenomenal. Fair. Where? What? What point were they at when you guys toured with them first? I mean, like album wise. Uh, that was right when they reunited the first time. Um, they had had this long sort of breakup period, and when they first got back together, that was uh, we did a tour. It was uh, Toxic Holocaust, Us, Darkest Hour, and At the Gates. And that was a, 
that was a really good tour. Yeah, because At The Gates has had such an influence on, I, I want to say, American metalcore in particular, like like yeah. of, of the early 2000s. And I feel like now we're at a point where people can go back and at least give them credit for that. I'm wondering if the audience is now, I don't know if you observe this or not, but if like, are they playing for bigger audiences now that are a little bit more informed on like where all this melodic metalcore comes from? Well, the shows were great and they were, they were big shows. And I feel like there's people of all sort of realms of metal that enjoy their music. And I don't feel like there's any sort of heavy metalcore sort of interest. I feel like that was just sort of like, I don't know, like the roots of the tree that they had sort of grown. I don't know how to explain it. No, I, I'm just getting it that they should get some, uh, credit I, I you know i think for a lot of that um that melodic metal movement that 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 influenced metalcore man but fair enough man um and it's it's got to be impressive to see them still around doing stuff after all these years uh you know are there any other bands that you've had the opportunity to work with that you you take away something from in terms of like you know years in the game and experience as far as touring goes uh yeah i mean we've 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 played with a ton of bands that I absolutely love and, and very fortunate to tour with. Um, it's, it's, it's endless. I mean, we've toured with Exodus and Guar and we, we just did a tour with Anthrax in the UK and there's just, there's no end to the amount of bands that we've played with over the years that, I'd never thought in a million years that I would get the opportunity to play with. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. Well, let me, let me flip it on you. What's one band that you have never played with yet uh, that you, you would like to get the opportunity to at some point? Uh, well, haven't played with, I don't know. We haven't played, we haven't played with the misfits yet and I Ooh. know they're playing gigs. It'd be they, cool to get the opportunity to play with them. I could uh, kind of see that. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a good bill, man. Be a good look for them. <laughs> yeah, that would be. We played with Doyle's band one time, but that's a completely different thing. Yeah. <laughs> he just dropped a new album, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I saw some, I saw something about that. I haven't heard it yet. I'm going to be fair. I haven't heard it yet. I don't know. But um, all right. Well. Uh, you just dropped a new album, more importantly, uh, Landfill of Morbicon. Now, obviously, you're pushing Morbicon hard right now. It's, it's a very new release. Uh, you worked very hard on that cartoon video that people can go check out, um, which you, you, you just talked about. Uh, is there anything else coming up? I don't know in terms of your other bands, tours, albums, or releases dropping soon that you want to talk about. Uh, well, uh, I'm getting ready to go out on tour next week with a band called Valiant Thor. And I've been jamming with them lately. It's more of like a weird rock and roll band. And and it's just something completely different. And they're good guys. And they have a really talented crew of musicians there. So uh, we're doing about two weeks out to Texas and back. And then at the beginning of December, we're coming up that way. We're playing Long Island uh, with uh, High on Fire and Municipal Waste. And uh, this really good... Uh, black sabbath candle mass worship band called early moods which is definitely a band that everyone should check out 
And uh, so come out to that show if you're around. Yeah, December 4th. It's out in Patchogue. We'll be there. Oh, Stereo Garden, huh? I think it's uh, it's a new venue they opened, something 89. Okay, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Uh, 89 North or, or whatever. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, yeah, but I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I'll you know I'll see you over there, Phil. I, I'm looking forward to it. I've never actually seen High on Fire before, so that's that. I gotta say, thanks uh, publicly. Thank you for getting me into a billion shows. Thank you. Well, Tom, you're you know you're a good friend of mine, and I appreciate you getting me on the show. And and uh, yeah, it's good to finally do a podcast with you. Hell yeah, man! I'll get you on Roast Mortem next. It'll be bad, It'll be <laughs> real bad. Yeah, yeah. I'll do some research. I'll 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 go all out for that for sure. Oh, I love it, man. Uh, that, would, that would be hilarious. Maybe I'll maybe I'll stop in Richmond and we'll do like a we'll we'll cast a Connor and uh, Travis while I'm on the road. That sounds cool. That would be really fun. So ro- yeah, roast mortem fans. Uh, and by the way, if we have heavy hole podcast fans who've been living under a rock, roast mortem is the other podcast where you can catch Tom Saltman and his crew uh, roasting uh, all of your favorite. I guess we'll say uh, departed celebrities and historical people and persons of note all that yeah all that. i'm uh, the star of that show you're the star of this one will I, i'm just no, a producer here the guest is always the star of this show bingo which is why we did not edit out a recent recommendation i didn't agree with <laughs> and also why i'm gonna pass it back to you phil uh you know we appreciate your time we always round out every single interview by asking you to recommend one older and one newer release by any artist you like demo album, whatever uh, metal or otherwise just recommend two pieces of music, one from back in the day and one from a little bit more recently that we can get into. Okay. So um, I don't know if, if people are into progressive rock, uh, go check out uh, demons and wizards by Uriah heap. There's some really quality music there. That's an old school jam that, if you have, if you've been uh, sleeping on it, you should definitely listen to. And as far as newer stuff, um, there's an album by a band called Hollis H A L L A S, and it's called Isle of Wisdom, and it's also a cool progressive hard rock album. Uh, pretty interesting stuff that I've been listening to, and that's a newer jam that just came out. So there you have it. I want to throw one more on this. Can you recommend a uh, what are you listening to in the country world right now? Oh, well, when it comes to country music, I'm a Graham Parsons guy. So if you check out the birds and and, and the birds put out some records with um, Graham Parsons that I feel like are all time classics. And also the guitar player in the birds is just a total ripper. So if you listen to some live birds records by them, um, you can hear this guy just tear the tear up the guitar in a country style. And uh, their one particular record is called Sweetheart of the Rodeo that the birds put out. That's great. And, you know, it's a little bit more on the hippie side of the fence. You know, I'm sure they were like the long haired hippie guys playing country. And and I don't know, it's it's got it's it just has enough rock to keep my attention. You know, it's it's country, but it. It just has the best of both worlds. Gotcha. Will we oh, ever man. see uh, you performing country music? Uh, well, I have this ZZ Top cover band that I'm doing with some buddies. <laughs> that's and we, awesome. And and that's about as close to country that I've gotten so far. I I I 
perform the guitar and sing in that band. I'm I'm Billy Gibbons in that band. That's and, great, uh, that was, That was a very challenging endeavor to learn all those guitar parts and perform them live and sing the lyrics. But uh, it was fun, and and I'm I'm uh, that band practices like once a week. You know, we get together and jam those songs. So hopefully, we'll do a, a, a another gig soon, and and people can see me jam some classic rock. That's awesome. Yeah, rest in peace. I got to see them three times before Dusty passed away. Yeah, he was a he was a hell of a singer for sure. Yeah, man. Um, I, that was a big thing. I once asked my dad many years ago. I asked my dad if he would ever come to one of my band's shows, and he just matter of factly said nope. And I said, "Would you ever go to any rock show?" And he said, "Nope." And they took a minute and thought, and he said, "ZZ Top. I would go see those guys. They're cool." And and <laughs> and we ended up. I ended up taking him to go see them three times. See uh, see them in New York. Um, uh, several years ago, man. So yeah, it's they 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 have a certain appeal to me, man. You know, I I, I have to respect ZZ Top above all other rock bands. Uh, yeah, the there's dead. just something about three guys up there, and they can make it sound big, and and dust and you know Dusty's playing and and Billy Gibbons playing. It's loose, but it's tight. I don't. It they just have a certain sort of. Uh, functionality or flow to their music that even when they're kind of sloppy, it sounds good. <laughs> and the drummer, man, you gotta give the drummer some too, man. What is that? What's his name? Hank Beard? Frank? What, what's that guy's name? I know it's Beard. Yeah, Frank yeah. Beard. Yeah. Frank yeah. Beard. Because yeah, I, you know, when I saw them live, a few, he's got like this big kit with these huge kick drums, and and you know, and we all know what he plays. It's it's fairly dialed back drumming for the most yeah. part in most of the songs, you know what I mean? And every once in a while he breaks out with a fill. It's I, I there's just some, something very charming about it to me, man. Like they have, they have a huge, uh, a very huge, but understated presence, you know? Yeah. I, and you really learn by playing those songs that it's a lot harder than you think to play simplistic four to the floor rock music. You know, you got to stay in the pocket. You can't rush. You can't, you got to just, it's not a race to get to the end of the song like most metal music is. Mm. And, you know, when, when I'm performing in Cannabis Corpse and Iron Reagan and stuff, things are flying by at maximum velocity. So if you flub a note here or there, nobody notices. But when you're performing some, uh, when you're playing Sharp Dressed Man or something, if you fuck up a note, it sounds shitty. And you gotta you gotta stay right there in the pocket. It's just more it's it's more difficult than you think. I can imagine that makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, much respect to them, man. I have a lot of respect for that band. And and Phil, much respect to you. We appreciate your time mixing it up with with us here on the podcast. We hope maybe one day you come back, uh, shed a little bit more light onto your long history in the metal scene. Until then, I'm just going to remind the listeners one more time to pick up that Morbicon. That's Morbicon with a K. Uh, of Mournful Twilight on Tank Crimes records. And also that municipal waste is, is still still hot, still hot out Very the oven. Ele- electrif- it's still electrified, electrified brain uh, on Nuclear Blast records, right? Hell yeah, man. Nice to talk to you all. Talk to you later.
rolling. So you like smoking weed. Allegedly, I do, too. That's what people are saying. Shout to Landfill from Cannabis Corpse, Municipal Waste, Iron Reagan, and, of course, Morbicon. Yeah, and all you folks on Long Island, check out Waste and High on Fire. Uh, at Pat- Patchogue's North, uh, 89 North? That was I think it's, yeah, 80-something North out there. It's the only venue in Patchogue that's going to have High on Fire Municipal Waste. Yeah, so go there. We'll be there. It's, on, it's far away from the city. It is. Shout out to them for playing Long Island. Uh, another thing that's far away from the city, Amityville Musical. Not as far away from the city. The 27th of November, coming up real close, tough guy, to when you're listening to this episode. Uh, you're going to have the old uh, Afterbirth, Immortal Suffering, Torturous Inception, first show with Tyler back on vocals, Festergore from Staten Island, and Bowel Erosion, local favorites. Very sick. Yeah, it's a, it's a family affair, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Show starts at 4 p.m. sharp. A little bit earlier. It's not quite. It's not a matinee. It's like when you'd be having dinner. Yeah, for it's, Thanksgiving. It's a maglage. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I copyright. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to make up for that battered realm joke. All right. That's my fried shrimp beatdown band. Shout to Lorkin. I'm gonna need somebody to write this stuff for me. Um, but <laughs> keeping it in. Listen. So. Speaking of Long Island hardcore, I want to shout out something real quick before we get on to anything else. A couple episodes ago, might have been the last episode, I recounted my Odyssey, uh, courtesy of Sam Sherrick, um, who got me in to see Hate Breed and Gate Creeper. Um, if you if you missed that episode, I had opinions. I shared them. Everyone likes a good opinion. Uh, but shout to the folks at LIHC, LIHC Shows, Long Island Hardcore Shows. You can check them out, LIHC Shows underscore on Instagram. They were passing out the flyers uh, when the show let out by the door. I liked that. It reminded me of the year 1998 in particular. Uh, 1999 a little bit. 2000, we started seeing that fade away. So I want to recount the shows that you could probably still catch um, if you're listening to this episode uh, what is that? The old, uh, let's see. I'm not going to be able to catch that one. So December the 2nd, you got the Queers, the Muckrackers, Urban Waste, and Victory Garden at Amityville Music Hall. The Muckrackers been around for a minute. Buckshot Facelift used to play shows with is them. Is it Muckracker or Muckraker? Muckraker. Uh, just because I'm from Long Island doesn't mean I can speak English, okay? I, I speak my, my father's inflection. You speak Long Island. Yeah, uh, but the yeah the Muckrakers they've been doing it since back then. Um, they're still doing it. Glad to see them supporting a, a more uh, high profile band like the Queers, classic punk rock. But are you familiar with them? Nah, they're you know if you like your No Effects and you're that sort of thing, I, I think they're I adjacent to that scene. Total sucker of melodic punk like that, um, in which pop punk was burnt from. Don't quote me because I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just know I've seen the name around, but um. Here's a name I haven't seen around in a long time. Hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your dog, hide everybody. Uh, 12, 9 to 12, 10, the 9th and the 10th at Shakers of, Dece- of December. This is Punch Your Face. Oh, man. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. That, if you, yes, people of a certain age in Long Island, we're locking the door. We're, I don't know if I might make it to Shakers. That, that, this is, this is getting crazy. Punch your face. Uh, infamous, uh, uh, beat down crew hardcore band, Punch Your Face. Um, you might want to stand in the back for that one. That's, everyone's going to be standing in the back. There's going to be, 
couple couple dudes in uh, champion shorts, really punching faces. Yeah, one of them's gonna have a fucking uh, post hole digger. One of them's gonna have an iron rake that you spread gravel with. Yeah, and they're just gonna be swinging them around. <laughs> couple guys in the MTA ticket collector uniforms. Well, you know, as long as my man brings back the fucking G, there used to be a guy. That would show up with the put the punch your face. What was their crew? There was punch your face as the band. They had a was crew. It, was it FYD? That was a hardcore group. My buddy was in that. Uh, I don't know what it stood for, but we used to call it Fight Your Dad. Okay, it well, could have been Fight Your Dad. Though. Yeah, I was doing death metal at this time. This yeah. I was just adjacent to all this. But yes, the punch your face crew performing with third, one of those guys, or, or the, I think he was like one of the pit crew. I don't know if he was in the band. He used to wear really sick like g unit and sean john sweatsuits that's sick i had to respect that yeah um but i still didn't go in the pit 38 snub cycle of abuse cycle of abuse and a lot more it says at shakers so the 9th and the 10th of december it's going down whether you like it or not out there at shakers pub man god bless them the 16th of december wow this is you might see sal in the pit rocking a sean john sweatsuit for this strife shut down overthrow those are names right. that have not been uttered in the hallowed halls of long island together in many years to my knowledge also appearing soldiers uh combust and death spiral at amityville musical the 16th of december strife shut down and overthrow i am gonna have to go to sal's house and kidnap him and put a pair of Jenko jeans on him and just let him loose and watch him watch him go why yeah not? and an adidas windbreaker all right Wow. That's so sick. Bringing it back, man. Um, The 23rd of December, right before the, the old holidays there, you got the incendiary holiday show Um, with, uh, oh boy, I'm about to look old here. Who's AOA? Uh, AOA, Vomit Forth, Private Mind at Amityville Music Hall. I don't even mind that Vomit Forth is allegedly a death, death metal band playing with that show. That well, shout be- out to Incendiary, of course, you know. Yeah, do it for the Danny kids. in there, shout out to him. Shout out to Rob, good dudes. Mix it all up. Do it for the kids. Uh, vomit forth. January 29th, 2023, you got Trapped Under Ice, Bulldoze, Pain of Truth, Crown of Thorns, Division of Mind, Illusion, Volcano, Carried by Six at the Monarch. You can go to that one. J-Wall it, might be there. If you survive the Punch in Your Face show, you might be able to go to that yeah. one. Okay, listen. Um, but I just wanted to shout out the old uh, LIHC shows underscore at uh, Instagram, man. I appreciate they were out there handing out flyers to the old guys and the retired cops leaving the Hate Breed show. Um, Tom. Yeah. You told me you had a little recommendation before. Yeah, you know, I've been actually playing your recommendation in the background. Why don't we start there? Oh, boy. I, the suspense is killing me. Well, okay. Okay. The old band uh, Protect Or. Protector from Germany, um, formed in 1986, released a series of demos and an EP, first full length in 1988, Golem, uh, 89, 91, 93. They released a series of other full length albums. I suggest you uh, uh, familiarize yourself with these. Maybe not a band that's always brought up uh, in the um, uh, the conversation with such bands as Sodom and Creator and Destruction, but Protector is definitely worth your time. Um, they put out this album, Excessive Outburst of Depravity, 
uh, this year on High Roller Records. High Roller Records, definitely something to look into if you're a fan of the old school, uh, either the reissues or the bands that are still around currently playing that old school style of music. High Roller Records might have some things you've slept on. Um, look them up in your distro or look up their website. Now, this band, uh, Protector, I really like this album. I have dipped into some of their older material i'm not a um well-educated fan of this band but i do appreciate the german brand of thrash and i like this new album because it sounds old they 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 didn't really dip into the the, the brand new high-tech recording techniques they're not trying to keep up with the kids they they, they created here a very authentic 80s sounding thrash album um i'm also not you know as much as i enjoy some of the german thrash I kind of only know some of the basics uh, and the, the groundwork for that. Like I said, the big bands. So all I would say is that to me personally, as a fan, some of these German thrash bands of yore, uh, they, I believe they played a big part in influencing the Norwegian and greater Scandinavian black metal scene, the second wave, as people say. Yeah. Uh, maybe vocal-wise, rawness, kind of evil quality to some of the riffs. And this album by Protector just kind of keeps the legacy going in 2022. This is an album that you could put on, um, you know, for, for your old, for your uncle, for for uh, for Uncle Beelzebub, who, who's got still got the spike belt and thinks all the shit you listen to is horrible. Um, tell it's too new. Yeah, you gonna say it's too too processed. Yeah, tell him to shine the old skull. It sit down, drink a beer to this new one. This is a good album, man. This is a good and you know like something I always appreciate, and I've been getting a lot more into as I get older, is that little blurry area between thrash metal and death metal. Um, that a lot of bands were exploring and pioneering between the late 80s and early 90s, uh, and that a lot of bands are kind of going back to now in rejection of tech death and OSDM and all that sort of thing, this kind of like very refined technical thrash that borders on death metal, um, something I, I've learned to appreciate with age. I didn't always have an appreciation for it as a younger man. So this is just a great album on that tip, man. I'll, I'll stop now. Tom, any thoughts? Um. The fact that this is the first time hearing this, I don't, I can't say much other than I do really like the sound qualities, as you mentioned. Um, it just sounds, it, it, it's, it, I don't know. You hear a lot of thrash metal today that's a little blown out in ways. Um, it's still pristine, and uh, this this doesn't have that, but it does have a modern kind of polish at the end. Yeah, uh, just at the yeah. end. So, um, yeah, I. I'm excited to check it out again. Like you hear that guitar tone right there? Yeah. That to me, see, and this is this is also this isn't a rehash band or a nostalgia band. This is a band that is just kind of playing the same style of old school German thrash from back in the day that went on to influence a lot of stuff. Like like just for maybe of our if we have younger listeners or even does age doesn't matter if you just whatever uh um milestone you are on your metal journey. Uh, you know, I didn't realize any of this, you know, because I was the dying fetus uh, terrorizer grindcore death metal guy for many years in my youth. But in my 30s, I explored black metal a lot more and did my homework. And I did realize the impact German thrash had. So go. So so just for those listeners that may not realize, go back and check out Destruction 
Creator uh, and Sodom, especially their older albums, and then re-examine some of your favorite Norwegian black metal albums. Yeah. Not to disrespect or put down any of that, but it's just interesting to see the role, the influential role that some of this stuff has played, and that these guys are still kind of keeping it real for what they were doing back in the 80s. Their old albums are perfectly recommendable, too. Amen. It makes you wonder the cross pollination there has you know as the black metal influenced these guys now you know as a come full circle. It's questions, questions. All right, Will, I have uh, bad news. Hit me. My recommendation. Oh, I just saw it. I saw it. In 2021, uh, one of the finest names in heavy metal history released a new album. Um, Limp Biscuit still sucks. Yes. Is this the original lineup? Is yes. DJ Everlast still involved? I I think so. I think it's the old the old DJ. I think it's like John Otto on drums still, West Borland. God damn it. You're telling me DJ like the other guys I understand because Limp Biscuit was their jumping off point, but DJ Everlast was it? I forget the guy's name. Oh no, no, DJ. Was it River? DJ Lethal. 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 Wait, Lethal. Wait, 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 DJ Lethal. That was. We're gonna name. have to edit. I don't give a shit because no, that's just not, leave it in. It's just conversation. Not, that's not my expertise area in hip hop or metal. Is House of Pain? I do appreciate the House of Pain catalog. Shout out to Everlast. I apologize. No, I'm sure that everyone but, who has been listening to yeah, this episode has turned those, it off right now. Yeah, DJ uh, Lethal. <sighs> I mean, in this era of nostalgic hip-hop, he can't do better for a check? Look. Limp Bizkit's new album, or newest album, still sucks. There's something fantastic that they've attached to here, which is in the age of hip-hop, modern hip-hop, where everything is 808s and trap beats and booty shit, um, they still sound exactly the same as they did when they put out Significant Other and Three Dollar Bill. Um, it's great. I uh, it, it's kind of weird. I've watched this thing happen where a lot of people shitting on Fred Durst for being a, a bad MC, and they go, "Oh, he's a gimmick guy. He wears a red hat. He's a clown." Um, he seems to have fully embraced that, and his. Hip-hop rap style has not changed at all. But to me, it seems that the rap world has gotten so poor quality (laughs) that he's rather high on the list of MCs currently. Um, I don't know. With all the mumble rap and all the shit that's like... It doesn't have any humor and it's it's not like fun, which seems to be taking over the radio and all popular culture... It seems that Fred Durst's like value has just changed 
without him changing. You know what I mean? This has a very nice sonic palette. Sure does. It's mixed very well. Who did this? Rick Rubin? I think Wes Borland, <laughs> the guitar player. Love Wes Borland. Uh, I can hear it in my headphones. Yeah. Uh, it's very, yeah. Uh, that's another. They're the, they haven't included any of those 808 shits. It's still a drummer, a yeah. bass player, and a guitar player, and a DJ. They're not using modern tricks for this. Hence, uh, it's original Limp Biscuit sound being kind of interesting <laughs> to me. Tom, it's only been one episode since I waved the flag for death metal band Gate Creeper. Mm. I don't know if I can do this tonight. We don't see each other that often. And what, what, like, my death metal palette, I've been reviewing a lot of things we used to listen to recently, and I have talked about in the show. I'm bringing this in because I've... I found this fun and entertaining, and from a production level, I could really appreciate the fact that it doesn't sound like it's off-the-shelf 2002 production. I will say this, for for Limp Bizkit fans, and I know they're out there, there's more of them than there are fans of any of my bands. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the sobering reality, you gotta remind yourself. But for the hardcore Limp Bizkit fans who, like, know all the songs from back, like, this is what they were waiting for. There are some people out there who are very happy about this. Yeah. And I didn't think I was one of them because I was very into Significant Other. I didn't think you were one of them. I didn't know I was. I was, um, I got very into Significant Other when that came out. I think that was 99 as a 11-year-old kid. That's when I was into Limp Bizkit. That's when you're supposed to be into Limp Bizkit. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it was like System of a Down and then Thrash and then yeah. everything else changed. And I didn't, I never revisited You're Limp not Bizkit. supposed to come back here. I just found myself back here and I, God, I'm having so much fun. But this is like the new Limp Bizkit. It's got the the modern crispy production, but it's still, there's still Limp Bizkit. I mean, he's still doing his thing. Sounds fantastic. Somebody better give it. Uh, what the? What are we doing, bro? Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, <sighs> it's great. I'm a huge fan, and uh, I still like Deeds of Flesh. How's that sound? Is that I weird? Mean, you, you can like whatever you want. It's, no, I don't know. Dude, I, I don't like, know what to say. It's like here I am on the show. We don't talk about <sighs> stuff like this. I haven't seen you in forever, and I like to get a reaction out of you. I'll see, see you it. when the new POD drops. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. What are the chances? What are the chances we could get somebody from Limp Bizkit for an interview? I can probably Man. reach out to Wes Borland. Yeah, Show him my sick. email, please. Um, yeah, here, check this song out. This one's called Dad Vibes. I'm really big fan on. Real I will say fan. this: Fred Durst seems like very comfortably self-aware. He is. He, yeah, he doesn't like. He just seems like he's kind of egging it on. Doesn't give a shit. Drives it on, which is how he should be. He's uh, he's making it a point to be self-aware openly at yeah. this point. And it's fun. Yeah. Like, he did this. I keep saying fun because it's a, really a, that's the bottom line word here. But I watched a video of them doing a break stuff live, and he was doing this whole bit. Someone threw a red hat on the stage, and he was like, I would never wear anything this stupid. What the fuck is this? And, like, did a whole comedy routine mm. around it. Like, he did a quick, he did a tight five, yeah. and then they went into break stuff. And it was like, that's, that's good. All right. Either way. Um, love it or hate it, there is a newer Limp Bizkit out. And uh, if you were a fan, like myself, of the old stuff, give it a listen. Does Fred Durst tell you what to do with politics? 
Never. I might like him now as a celebrity comparatively. Like the way you said the water, like kind of like the water like evaporated and yeah. it made in the rap scene. So it made like Fred Durst an actual viable commercial MC. Like the, f- the fact that he doesn't get up there with like opinions and social clause. And he, he's like, cause it's like, it's Fred Durst. Like I don't want Fred Durst telling me about how to vote or anything. No, so. he seems to be totally removed from that stuff. Yeah. Same thing with, I mean, like I love the West Borland thing because he commits to that crazy costume shit. Um, while the other guys are just kind of hanging out. And it's a hundred percent. It's like it's like having one member of Guar in your band. Yeah, I I always thought that was interesting how he just totally committed to that, and the other guys just had this like nineties kind of hip hop look. Yeah, I, it's I, the one guy. It's it's like the opposite. We interviewed Shot to Imprecation. They talked about how one of their original members was like the the only guy who wouldn't wear corpse paint and armor at one point. Oh, that's not fun. Uh, yeah, and it was like, but he was the he was like one of the original guys, so they couldn't really do it. You know, it was mm. a little awkward. Yeah, it is the opposite of that. And yeah. uh, hell, it works for the image, you know? Well, what are you going to do, man? Um, But I'm I'm not glad you brought this in. I'm not going to listen to it. I appreciate Tom. your honesty. Yeah. I... But uh, <laughs> we can probably talk about a death metal release, too. Give I me think, a second. Check I, this out. I think we should do a, uh, a, a new metal episode still. We've been talking about that. Let's do it. It's time to rock a small fucker cause I'm always out of style Never change my style cause my style is kinda fresh You bitches asking for a sound check Check one two bitch You barely touch the ground yet Choked up on your bounce game Coming down the mountain Copycats you lucky that I let you hang around me Check three four bitch get out there on the bounty In the war zone got these campers all around me We should be on the same Am I am I too old to convert genres and be like a juggalo themed rapper? I think you'd make a great juggalo. I would be I would do it with you. I'm afraid I would die. Why? Drinking and drugs at my age. I might I feel like I should have done this like it's like you should I should have done it in my twenties. Yeah, but you yeah. do whippets. I don't think that really fucks you up that bad. Whippets. You ever done a whippet before? No, I just I like the whipped cream too much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I mean, I just feel like the, the I, I like that little clip you just played. It's a very niche listener that is excited about that song. It's like this kind of show. Yes, there's probably a lot of dislikes, but I have to be honest on the show. Like, I can't just come in here and be like, "Oh yeah," like I found this like death metal band that's super sick. I just have been looking for that. What recently. are you? What are you? What are you making fun of me? Yeah. <laughs> Are you parodying me? Oh, yeah, I found this death metal bit. It's really it's sick. Works, but, uh, when yeah. I was in Biolich, those guys, Andrew and Dan, one time, they made fun of me. This is the voice they use. This is <laughs> this is Will. Like, I'm uh, trying to go to sleep, you guys. Like a Rocco's Modern Life character? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I mean, hell. You want? To, we're gonna do a bonus episode after this, right? Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right. So I'm leaving that in. Everything stays in. Uh, go to patreon.com slash heavy hole podcast. I could still hear Fred Durst in the background. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll turn that off. This is the worst song on the album. By the way. <laughs> He's singing a ballad, dude. Yeah, what it's the not. Fuck? That one sucks. What's that, going on? That's not very good. Um, I turned that off. Oh, shit. Drop my beer. <laughs>
You're, you're recommending Limp Biscuit. You're spilling beer all over the place. I have no regrets. Dude, what is going on with your life since you got married, man? Just odd things. Oh, my God. Making lasagnas and shit. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, go go to our Patreon. Uh, throw us a couple bucks. We changed the tier situation. Uh, we're just putting some bonus stuff out when we yeah, can. I, it's been hard. I cry tears of shame over it. That's the tier situation. That was a failure on our part. We could not organize. Everyone knows that. Ugh. But guess what is not a failure? The show, because a lot of people listen to it. I like got that. a lot of irons in the fire now that things are... Look, We re- I mean, honestly, we did try to go hard with the Patreon during the pandemic, and then when things slowly started opening up, I said, oh, Reeking Aura, oh, Exsanguinated, oh, Afterbirth, oh, a show, or oh, this or that. You know, it's yeah. and now you know now we're going we're doing little tours here and there, and it's 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 a lot to keep up with, a lot of irons in the fire, man. So I do owe you guys. We've apologized. I owe you another one. Yeah, well, uh, just big smooch. Yep. I owe you guys a unsolicited hug. Mm. That's the name of uh, my new emo band. That's awesome. Unsolicited hug. Yeah. Uh, someone who's never played in any emo bands, to my knowledge, my buddy Landfill. I want to thank him for coming on the show tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, writing only like cool shit. He would ne- he would probably hate Limp Bizkit, um, knowing him. Mm. But I, yeah, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I but... wouldn't. I'll ask him. I'm gonna yeah. ask him on the fourth. We'll ask him next time we talk to him. Um, man, that Limp Bizkit thing really—that's weird. We yeah. how long are we rolling here? Do we have time for the voicemail? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's roll on that voicemail. Sorry, All I was right. closing out the show too early. Nah, nah, nah. We, this is just another era of this episode. Yo, what's up, guys? Tyler Craig here again. Um, guys, I gotta, I gotta say, as much as I love death metal, there's nothing that hits the heartstrings for me and takes me to a special place hmm. more than black metal. I love death metal, don't get me wrong. I love you guys. I love the brutality of, of uh, death metal and all that it brings. However, black metal holds a very special place in my heart. And this is where my newest recommendation comes from. Uh, my buddy Cliff Jones turned me on to this recently, and I've been jamming to it all week. It is the new album from a project called Natrunar from Austria. The album called the album is called Wolf Stunda. Uh, Natrunar is spelled N A H T R U N A R, and the album is spelled W O L F S S T U N D E. I know next to nothing about this band other than they're they're from Austria and that they kick a lot of ass. Like, the riffs are super good. Um, the atmosphere is very bright, a very a lot of folk influence with the interludes. It feels like a lot of uh, music from, like, a D&D kind of thing with the interludes, but the riffs are super bright. The guitar tone is fantastic. Um, definitely my favorite black metal release of the year so far. Take it easy, guys. Tyler Craig, uh, correspondent of the Heavy Hole Podcast. Thank you for checking in. Take a minute.
cold sounding. I prefer the testosterone powered escapists weed smoke filled romper room that is death metal over the cold introspection of black metal because I'm afraid of my own emotions. Yeah, that'll do it. I don't want to lay myself bare to the mirror of black metal and the emotions it conjures. Right. My tone of voice is suggesting a joke, but this is serious. I want the listeners, don't be don't be worried about Big Will. No, this is all I'm joking and I'm a little sarcastic, but you know, we all know that the, that 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 this is like how we really feel. We listen to a little dissection, and all of a sudden, we start bringing back the memories. Yeah, there's something about the melodic qualities, the atmosphere, yeah. everything that Tyler was saying about a, a release like this, where it will make you cry a little bit. This is, you know, black, in all seriousness now, um, I know what he means uh, about black metal just kind of like, Tugging at your heartstrings, and you know, I, mean, I think I think that's what a lot certain types of black metal are for. I don't know that that's necessarily what blasphemy was trying to conjure within you, but uh, I've listened to music. I'm not the black metal guy. I always say that, but by Drut Drutk, the Ukrainian band. Yeah, they're uh, Drutk. Um, pop. Some of their older albums, and yeah, they're, they're you know sad melodic albums and. Uh, you know, I, I've allegedly heard Norwegian artist Bertsum. Yeah. I don't know. Am I allowed to say I've heard Bertsum? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That one, he's kind of like s- snuck under the radar. Yeah. A lot. Very melodic. I mean, very melodic, deep, introspective type of music. Yeah. It's, uh, Bertsum, like, I, a lot of shows I go to, I will see people wearing Bertsum shirts from all backgrounds. And I find it odd. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's a little. It's like, well, at this it, like this day and age, this day and edge, <laughs> this day and age, it seems a little edgy. Yeah, yeah, there was some kid running around the hate breed pit in a Burzum shirt. I just said, what's the fucking world coming to? It's uh, bizarre. That's what it yeah. is. We're on Long Island. But um, ah, not Trinar. Okay, thank you, Tyler Craig, for sending this in uh, and making me cry. No, this I can already hear in the head in the headphones. I can hear this is big. It's got that big wall of sound, cascading guitar tone. Mm-hmm. Really um, deep. This is something that merits another reason. I probably don't listen to as much black metal. I am a poorly educated American with a short attention span. Yeah, that'll let's, do it too. Let's, let's keep it a hundred. Uh, you know, I wasn't raised in a small Norwegian village and taught how to play piano and violin at age three. You know, I mean, do you want to do you want to listen to two black metal songs that are ten minutes long, or do you want to listen to the Shed by Bile? Uh, yes, the Shed. Yeah, the Shed by Bile. I I want to go into a Shed. Yes. Yeah. With Bile. Yeah, and we'll just listen to the Shed by Bile. I, that, well, that's the thing. To to listen to two. Here's my thing. To listen to to black metal. It would have to be like the same situation where you listen to like a book on tape, like a commute, sure, a plane ride. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, mean, I like to be the DJ and mix things up. You know, when I'm just chilling at the house, listening to music. You know, I'll, you know, put on a little Broken Hope upon the replay. You yeah. know, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, yeah. um, 
But there is a time and place for that genre. And I know people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't be playing this decapitated while we're having a party with my friends, Tom. That's what my wife yeah. says. Um, yeah. But black metal seems somewhat more inappropriate because emotions flow. Oh, tell me about it. You shouldn't be playing this abruptum while we're trying to have sex on Valentine's Day. I used to yeah. get it all the time. Every time. All right, from my Every ex. time. All right? Yep. Just try to squeeze a little bit of the old abruptum into the Valentine's Day party. All of a sudden, I'm a weirdo. Uh, her favorite artist was Mariah Carey, by the way. But I digress. This is We've talked about everything. We've shitted on this man Tyler Craig's recommendation at this point. I, I, I don't feel that way. I feel like I, we've been honest, and I, I like it. No, I like it. It's good music. Yeah. He did a solid recommendation, but we're just going on and on. We're, we're getting emotional now. This is you, why this we is don't listen to a lot of black metal. And it's we've been opens, drinking, too. Yeah. We have been drinking tonight. So. Yeah, but the European guys drink and listen to black metal, and they just do the invisible oranges thing and, and wear their hair down over their face and headbang. They're cool. Like it's, we, we, yeah. can't, we can't listen to the black metal over here. It just sets us too free. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I put on some suffocation. Let's all get right. grounded, all right? to talk Long Island and get out of here. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. That just makes a little little bit little bit of something familiar. That just makes you want to smoke weed and watch pro wrestling while yeah. wearing sweatpants. Mm-hmm. So now we're doing the second rap of the show. Yeah. Because I did one before and I forgot we were doing the voicemail. It's, it's a re-rap. All right. I I'm wearing blue jeans. This brutal death metal you've put on in the background makes me want to go home and put on basketball shorts or sweatpants, it's depending awesome. on the weather. Um, I I just you know I, I got the t- actually I I feel kind of like a poser. I got these these are like Fila all terrain shoes. Mm. I want the straight up tennis shoes, like shoes that are made for. T- I don't know if they make tennis quote unquote shoes in my size. Um, they probably do. Do guys my size play tennis? Could just like get two of us and stand on one side of the net. I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> you know the net. The bigger you are, the net is smaller. You yeah, know what I'm saying they that's, they bring it in. That's what's that's what it's gonna say on my Adidas volleyball. Yeah, you uh, get the Federer shoes, the fucking the hoodie line. Yeah, I th- yeah, you could get something that's. I'm gonna uh, get endorsed for playing volleyball for doing a metal podcast. That's, that's awesome. Where I'm going with? This. I am way in on that. All right, because I'm gonna set it. Because you always set it up, and I always spike it like this. Uh, you can always check out the Heavy Hole podcast on the social medias. Um, depend- <laughs> it's going to be after the election, so I don't know what social media platforms are going to be uh, um, up and running. Or- it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. The Elon Musk thing, I don't know. Look, all-, all I know is that I don't control any of them anymore, okay? It's all It's all on you, Tom. Actually, you you. <laughs> this is like our social media is becoming like the scene, uh, like in the in the Sopranos where they go, where they go to get the New York guy whacked and everybody passes off the responsibility because they don't want to be it. Yeah, I mean, I just gave the credentials to Sam because I was like, please. He already sold the credentials to our Twitter to somebody for weed. That's probably going to do us very well. He traded the credentials of our Twitter account to somebody for a half an ounce of weed. Uh, that's. Allegedly. That's way more than what they're worth. Yeah, allegedly. Oh. Should have gotten some shrooms there, kid. Then we could listen to that. That I might listen to New Limp Biscuit uh, that way, allegedly. I don't know. But listen, go to the social medias, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. The voicemail number should be adjacent to where you're looking at this on your 
phone it's or on the phone. computer or smart TV. I don't know what you kids are doing out there with this crazy shit. Uh, wrap it up, whatever you do. Um, and uh, what else? We got the old Patreon you talked about there. I Big shout to Landfill. We hope you check out his new band, Morbicon. Also, the new municipal waste is called Electrified Brain, uh, Nuclear Blast Records. Um, and check out all of his other projects. There's a lot of music we talked about tonight. Check out everything we talked about tonight. Except the new lip. <laughs>